Welcome back to the Atomai Freight Podcast with me, Don Birch. This is a podcast where we get to speak to the thought leaders that are in and around this industry. And I'm absolutely delighted this week to welcome onto the podcast, Christian Benson. Now, Christian is the Managing Director for Tax and International Customs at Fujitsu and the architect, no less Christian, of pulling together this bunch of misfits to solve this rather gnarly problem. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Don. Thank you. Tell us a little about yourself. What brought you to, to Fujitsu in the first place? Well, the opportunity to uh, take on a new challenge. Uh, I've been in this current role for three and a half years, just about. And that role is, uh, as you said, Managing Director, Tax and International Customs is is looking after uh, one of our most important uh, customers. Uh, yeah, I took on that role because it was... Yeah, it was it was a new challenge for me to be managing such an important uh, customer, but also an opportunity to build up new business and to learn new stuff. And and before that, within Fujitsu, uh, I, I I led a, a, a European sort of capability around a thousand people uh, who who do uh, applications development and applications management and. Uh, data and analytics. Before that, uh, I had a, a number of roles in, in various other large technology companies and actually got into technology and IT in the early 90s working for an interior furnishings company, would, would you believe? But um, that was looking after all their IT systems and we, we, we launched a website um, back in the day where you could uh, view samples and do online ordering. So that's quite a trailblazer. The main theme running through my career has been to, well, to look for and grasp opportunities to develop and do new things and work with great people. And, you know, I would believe you work for a furnishings company because one of the questions I was going to ask you, because this is witchcraft to me. For, for a mere mortal like me, I, I can't see the future. And I imagine that people like you who are strategizing and trying to figure out how to make the world you know, work better are also the kind of people that can walk into a dilapidated house and, and imagine a wall not being there. And, and once you put the extension on the back and how the furnishings will look. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's uncanny that that's where you started your career. When you were grappling with with this particular sort of sector i guess of, of looking at supply chains and looking at how you know we move goods across borders and so forth mm. your approach was to bring together a consortium of different companies of different experts tell me about that because that that's that's quite a different and innovative approach to, to to you know to going about as a big technology company bringing in others to help solve the problem i, d- I think it is i think it's becoming more common now but um i think definitely you know th- three years ago fujitsu large technology company with a sort of engineering heritage and a view that you know we 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 can build all this stuff ourselves um so so what why why do we need to work with others but especially in the custom space and supply chain it's not just about technology it is it's about policy it's about reaching out to your customers it's about understanding the way people trade the way people move goods. Part of what we tried to do right at the start was go out and engage with as many sort of experts in this space as we could. And that, that was part of a part of a learning process. So how do we bring ourselves up to speed with the challenges in this sector? The best way to do that is to talk to people and to seek out the experts and to yeah, obviously, to give something back. We, we bring a technology perspective. They bring different other perspectives uh, for, for, from around the world in, in perhaps different technologies or, as I said, the legal side of things, the policy side of things, uh, international trade. And also, you know, at, at the time, 
there was uh, there was a, a real spur to get something done because we just exited the European Union, and 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 so we needed to come up with with solutions and alternative approaches that that would help to well help to realise some of the benefits that Brexit could bring. And I guess by bringing in you know those smaller organisations and, and building this consortium, also you, you benefit then, don't you, from being nimble and, and agile and actually being able to move at real pace to break things, put them back together again, come up with you know proofs of concept and actually get things out to market. I mean that must be quite exciting to be part of a huge organisation, but also to be able to now really innovate at pace. Yes, and and, and we've learned a huge we've learned a huge amount uh, during this process as well, because as you say, working with working with partners, smaller partners, smaller technology partners, such as Ublocity, who, who are able to think and act quickly and at pace without some of the, some, some of those, uh, you know, processes that can encumber a, a large organization uh, has been a massive benefit. And we've learned a huge amount and, and, and actually it's, it's contributed to a, to a cultural and behavioral change within my own organization, because we, we've learned so much on, about how to do things really quickly, uh, about how policy, legislative changes are, are so critical, actually, at, at, the same as, at the same time as new technology in order to make things change and get things done. You know, I'm thinking back maybe only 12 months ago when uh, products like Atomi Freight were being piloted. And quite literally, you know, there were people going backwards and forwards with smart locks in the boot of their car to prove that the dashboard really could pick up the signal and here we are you know a year on and it's a fully fledged product it's out there in the marketplace and actually already providing real value isn't it to hauliers and food manufacturers but i guess with so much more opportunity now in front of you talk a little bit about maybe not just atomai but just where this kind of foundational base could take us that is the biggest part of the challenge that, that we face at the moment is understanding and prioritizing all these different use cases and applications for Atomi Freight and the underlying platform that are coming in all the time. So, yeah, every time we talk about uh, Atomi Freight or we show it to potential customers or to uh, government agencies or to other partners, uh, people are always coming up with extra ideas and, and really good ideas on on how the technology could be utilised. And so part of the challenge is actually around product management. How do we how do we funnel all these new ideas in to a machine that we can then operate to prioritise what we do next? Uh, because we can't do everything, uh, and and so we we have to prioritise based on based on value, based on speed to market. Uh, based on the the size of the market that that, that we might address, and also the, you know what are the social aspects? What are yeah what what are the other ways in which society can benefit from from some of the use cases, the technology that that we're looking at at the moment? So yeah, feeding all of that in, trying to manage and prioritise the use cases, it is is turning out to be one of the biggest challenges, but a fantastic challenge to have because it makes it really exciting. I imagine the football manager has three strikers on the bench and they all want to play. You know, it's, it's a good problem to have sometimes. It's, it's, it is, yeah. Yeah, with this ecosystem of partners and the great team we've built up, it is. It is like having, a, you know, like a football squad. Everybody wants to get on the pitch. Everybody, you know, is a great member of the team and everybody wants to be hurt. So, so how, do you, how do you manage that? 
going back to what, what I said before about learning and the personal development, and I'm learning all the time in, in this role about how the supply chain operates, how the how customs operates, how the border operates, what can we do with with what we have in the Atomai platform to make all of that better and and you know, really ease the flow of goods, and make things more predictable, more transparent, more secure for all those actors in the in the supply chain. And one of the really exciting aspects of new technology is that it starts to bring together bits of data, little pockets of data that have kind of sat on their own, you know, or been locked away on somebody's database, but starts to connect those in a way that really, really starts to bring out insight, actionable insight that might make, you know, companies more efficient, might reduce their carbon impact, or might just make what they do more secure uh, and therefore they can make better decisions. You know, they can kind of rely on what they're seeing and and therefore yeah. make much better decisions about the amount of stock they hold or whether or not they use supplier A or supplier B. Talk a little bit about where this is heading because there are some trials in the water already, aren't there, that are taking aspects of what's been created for, you know, the UK, but also applying that and going, okay, well, how would we then use the same sort of technology to actually try and minimise the friction of moving goods between you know europe and and the uk as an example yeah so so as you said there are some trials ongoing at the moment we've got one running with uh, the cabinet office uh, called ecosystem of trust that's one of six pilots being run by the cabinet office and and what that is attempting to do is is exactly as you say dom it is about bringing together data from the supply chain about the movements of goods and, and specifically in our case goods on the back of on the backs of trucks and providing that data to the various different uh, government departments and agencies that need to know about those goods and need to know when they're arriving need to know what kind of goods they are where they come from when they're going to be crossing the border whether the mover of those goods is is trusted to do so. And what this has the potential to do is, is through this movement and supply of data to the various different agencies, it has the potential to massively reduce the administrative burden for traders and for hauliers so that they don't have to carry stacks and stacks of certificates and, and, and pieces of paper uh, in a special box in, in the truck. And they don't have to present all those pieces of paper to various agencies at, at the border. Instead, they can just they can just drive through because all of that data and all that relevant information has been made available to the relevant agencies beforehand, so that the agencies can can yeah, will know when they're arriving, can take a, a risk based decision on on whether to stop and inspect or not. And, and so ultimately, they should ease the flow uh, at the border and make life easier for all of the actors in the supply chain and, and ultimately make everything more, more efficient. What, what has built up over time, starting with customs laws that go back, go back centuries, things are still paper-based. And even where you know, the pieces of paper are being done away with, they're being replaced by digital processes that are based on the piece of the paper that you had before. Rather than just supplying the data, uh, you know what, what's now being provided is an electronic authorization. So, so actually, what we've done is digitised old processes rather than looked at how uh, by by the provision of the right data at the right time to the right people, uh, which does away with the need for for, for that paperwork uh, altogether. 
And, and that's a really important point, isn't it? It's, it's so easy, isn't it, to digitise a bad process and think you've done yeah. the job rather than actually look at the process and go, why was that paper-based process put there in the first place? Well, it was to make sure that people paid the right taxes or that the goods that they said they were carrying really are those goods and they're not something else pretending to be something else. So that that becomes quite an interesting part of the innovation, doesn't it? As you sort of look around the corner and, um, and I'm imagining now this dilapidated house that's going to look beautiful a year from now <laughs> once you've knocked down a few walls as you look around the corner then from your vantage point once those processes really have been re-engineered and digitized and then that information is being verified and you can use all these different types of multi-factor verification now can't you just to ensure that the data really is valid and you're putting good things onto the blockchain once they're immutable what does that start to open up? Because, uh, uh, you know, the burden on people having to fill in forms, I guess, does that begin to evaporate? Do you start to take the information from source and then use it for whichever agency needs to see it as part of a trusted trader scheme? How, just give us a bit of colour as to... Because uh, you've got the... I'm sure somewhere you've got a whiteboard with an arrow that knows where all of this is heading. <laughs> arrows leading off in, into the distance. But um, what you're saying is absolutely right, Dom. It's um, once you have that data, it is really important, as you say, the data is trusted. The data is verifiable. The data is is trusted by all parties. Then, yeah, there's there's all sorts of other stuff you can be doing with it, isn't it? That data, you know, can be transactional data. It can be data about uh, people. It can be data about vehicles data about companies it's it all needs to be trusted and it all needs to be verifiable and it needs to be accessed accessible to the right people at the right times because you've also got your your, your data protection concerns uh, uh, as well so yeah there is huge huge potential and, and i think actually for a long time blockchain beyond cryptocurrency has has been a technology waiting for waiting for the right solution. But I think blockchain and its, its application in, in helping to verify data and set up trusted connections, I, th- I think there's massive potential in that beyond just supply chain. It's going to require you know, coordination. It's going to require rules and, and principles to be applied so that you know the data is, is going to be trusted and, and is correct. And, and at the moment... I, I still don't think uh, that is that is quite there. You know, the rules, the regulations, the principles, the the, the standards need some more work before you can really start to see start to see the benefits and the advantages that this technology could bring. I mean, it's an overused phrase, Christian, but you know, as you are seeing things evolve, do you also sense this is a real? revolution that we're in, we're part of and it's hard to judge isn't it when you're in the midst of something but you know having been in you know IT and technology for the last 20 or so years does it feel like that to you does it feel like one of those exciting moments that come along you know once or twice in a person's career absolutely i'd say it is on on a par with the world wide web you know this is about information and data sharing across across the world but but done in such a way that you have a single source of the truth and that data as I said, is trusted and uh, and secure. So, what what it needs, I think, in order to in order to really achieve and fulfil its its potential, as I say, is is those is those standards to be put in place. But I think what we're seeing is we're seeing use cases emerge, left, right, and centre that are being applied 
for you know in quite specific cases are, are pro- being proven to work and and we see this definitely in the, in the commercial sector uh, lots of different use cases now emerging for blockchain you know our particular one is is, is around supply chain and uh, borders and over time yeah, those will those will multiply and multiply to, to to such an extent that somebody somebody will realise well actually they have to be placed within some kind of framework, otherwise because ultimately all this stuff needs to be trusted not just by the commercial actors uh, but by governments as well if they're going to be receiving and utilising the data. And one of the ways that you bring that to life is showing people it. I know when I first started getting involved in this sort of world of technology, it was like. Oh, can you show it to me? Show me the blockchain thing. And of course, it's kind of amorphous. It's not there. It's, I can't yeah, see it. Yeah, but actually yeah. seeing the dashboard and actually watching in real time, you know, a, a product being picked up and put in the back of a wagon that's then crypto sealed and all that kind of good stuff. Actually, the user, the customer interface, seeing and hearing from the customers, that's where you really get the colour of how this technology under the hood is working. And, and and for listeners, it's, you know, not really worrying about what's in the engine, just knowing that the catalytic really does convert, you know, the bad stuff away. Absolutely. So it's, it's always the best way to show people, always. And 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 I'm really pleased we, we've been able to show people this technology now for, you know, for, for, for at least 12 months. And we've had successful trials running in, in Northern Ireland and, and, and trials that show massive benefits actually for, for those trial participants. And actually immediate benefits, immediate benefits in, in knowing when goods are arriving, knowing exactly what's on those trucks, knowing that those trucks haven't been tampered with, that they are t- t- yeah, absolutely secure. What's on there is, is, is what we say is on there. And, and, and actually, What's on there is supported by all the relevant documentation and paperwork, so that it gets through, it gets through the port without any delays. And, and being able to show that to the various people we do show is incredibly helpful. It's, it's, it's always the best way to do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm just really, really pleased that, yeah, we're, we're now moving from trials into to commercial operation uh, and getting more and more people signed up uh, all the time because through those demonstrations, through seeing the technology in action, they can they can start to see the benefits themselves. Well, Christian Benson, Managing Director for Tax and International Customs at Fujitsu, thank you so much for coming on to the Atomai podcast. Thank you, Don. It's been a pleasure. Thanks very much.